Praise God. Second Samuel, the eleventh chapter. Second Samuel, the eleventh chapter. Do you have it? Can you already look at the heading there? The man's home's going, well, oh, Jesus, seatbelt time, David and who? Bath Sheba, and there's a reason why they call her Bath, hallelujah, such a clean woman, hallelujah, here we go, oh, by the way, my sermon is called, To Monica and Bill with Love. That's my With Love series. Remember I have some of these series that I've been doing, you know, to different people with love? Fidel Castro with love, I had one, and different people with love. Well, this one's to Bill and Monica. Monica and Bill with love. In the spring, oh, Jesus, this could be for somebody, somebody's, or it could be for everybody's. Ah. In the spring, where are we at today? In the spring, oh Jesus, at the time when kings go forth or to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem at home. Kings were supposed to go forth. One evening, uh-oh, sounds like the inquirer. David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof. Sounds like, a, you know, a title of a romance novel, huh? From the roof. He saw a woman bathing. The woman was beautiful. You can't let me... Miss, if you have the NIV, come on, correct me. Oh, the home very corrected me. <laughs> the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. That's the inquirer. Oh, Jesus, huh? The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliab, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him. Oops. Does the Bible say that? The Bible says that? The Bible says that? And he, <clears throat> with her. The Bible says and he slept with her? Oh, it does, it does. I don't think anybody's going to be asleep in this sermon here today. Maybe David was asleep, but not nobody here today. Hijo. Then she went back home. Oh, Jesus. Father, I pray for us here today that we would learn to glean from your word. Lord, I had another sermon fully ready and prepared, and you brought me to this one. And I'm doing something I, by and large, ordinarily don't do. But I pray your anointing, and I pray, Lord, that you would do what you desire to do. You've brought the people that you want here and those that will be listening to the tape as well. You'll be able to move by your spirit. 
Lord, I am just a servant. I'm going to try and do the best that I can, but I pray your Holy Spirit, we need it here tonight. They would move upon our hearts, brood upon our hearts, and point out and pinpoint areas in our lives that we need to get right or get left. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Greet one another in the love of the Lord, would you please? We're going to need a lot of love here today. Agape love. Then you may have your seats. I'm trying to be nice. Already I said you got to get right or get left. That's pretty mean. Uh, But that's the fact. That's the truth. People are going to go to hell. But people are going to go to heaven too. You know, uh, I was having dinner with my daughter and both of them, my wife, my wife and my daughter went out, one of them left early and so I remained with my other one and I knew what the sermon was about, I knew what was going to be happening here and I'd already written it and I just started messing with my daughter as I sometimes have a tendency to do. I should have had two stereo amens right there. I was just messing with my daughters as I have a tendency to do sometimes. Okay. There was two amens in stereo. All right, a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old, or 15-year-old, soon to be 14, hallelujah. And so I just thought to myself, let me see here. So I, I said, man, I have the sermon, but I don't have a joke. And sometimes I like to have jokes. I, I used to stay up late sometimes, trying, looking for, for illustrations. I hardly don't do that anymore, because usually I depend upon God, and he always comes through. Um, <laughs> and so I was, I just, I was just joking. With her, I don't have a joke. And I said, now I'm going to be speaking on the subject, and I just don't have a joke. And she goes, well, what could that subject be? She was falling into my trap. <laughs> Little spider. Uh, <laughs> and I said, well, the subject tonight is going to be on sex. She played it real cool. And I said, do you have any jokes? She goes, all kinds. <laughs> Just like that. Float. And I got mad. I go, you go to Christian school. <laughs> That's what she said. I got all kinds. I go, she goes, I'm just joking. <laughs> she did. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> the joke was on me. <laughs> I, I, I. But some of you have seen this book. Let me, let me bring it out just in case that joke didn't hit, you know. <laughs> it got me, though. She got me good. She said, all kinds. I go, man, I got serious. Uh, as any father would be, right, for their daughters, especially in Christian school. Hallelujah. But I, I, I saw that today, and I, I wanted to bring it here to you before I get into my sermon. It says, everything men know about women fully reveals the shocking truth. By the Daily News. Then it has the author. It says, America's foremost psychologist. It has his name. Then in the back, it's four stars by the Times. The chrono- Chronicle says it, says it all. Then it says, famed psychologist Alan Lowe Francis has written a landmark book on men's understanding of that most complex of creatures, woman. Based on years of research and interviews and thousands of men from all walks of life, he presents the most complete picture ever revealed of men's knowledge of the opposite sex. Fiercely frank and brilliantly insightful. This work spells out everything men know about such topics as making friends with women. 
It's a long, takes time. Romancing women. Let's go on. Achieving emotional intimacy with women. Making commitments to women. Oh, God. Can I, should I read the last one, Joe? All right. That, that's a good, that's a yes. <laughs> Satisfying women in bed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the Bible talked about all that. So why can't this guy do that? Everything men know about women. Bestseller. <laughs> it's selling off the racks. <laughs> and the men pay a big price for it. Ay, ay, ay. All right. To Monica and Bill with love. Are you ready? See, here in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 and 4, it's a classic case, okay, in regards to the life of David. David was known in the scriptures as a man after God's own heart. But he was after a few other stuff as well, besides God's heart. I've mentioned before, can I think I, I preached here the other day in regards to uh, David and his life about, you know, the, 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 the sermon that I have on baseball, remember that? And I spoke to the men on, on, on the life of David, that David knew how to play, uh, uh, you know, the, the instruments. David knew how to play athletics. He knew how to play politics. He knew how to play scholar. He knew how to play a number of things. He knew how to play the field. He had seven wives and hundreds of concubines. Uh, he could play a number of things. But one thing that David could not do is he couldn't play daddy. He couldn't play the most important position of all, father and husband. He was terrible at it. Okay? And see... We need to know this and, and know this now and know this good. No one is exempt from falling. There's a number of scriptures in regards to what happened here with David and Bathsheba. And one of them says, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Because David ends up falling here. No one is exempt. The Bible is a book of truth. Somebody once said when God paints a picture of somebody, he paints him warts and all. God don't fool around. Uh, the Bible does a good job of telling the truth, telling it all. With many Bible characters, the Bible does tell it all. Uh, they should, you know, have it, like I said, uh, this book should be right there, right alongside Inquirer and, 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 you know, all those Midnight Magazine or whatever, true confessions, because this don't fool around. It tells the truth. I've said it many times, I'm going to say it again right now. I'd rather you hear about sex from behind the pulpit than from the, behind the backseat of a 57 Chevy. Because that's a like. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Did you bring your Barry White tapes? Oh, baby. Honey. Uh, come on now. Yeah, yeah, honey. Liar. Um, what have I said before? Love is using your resources for the benefit of others. Lust is using others' resources for your benefit. That's what lust is. Real love gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. Lust uses somebody else's resources for their benefit. Love uses your resources for their benefit. Uh, Noah, the Bible speaks about him. It does say that he was a preacher of righteousness, but it also says 
that, you know, his drunkenness brought shame to his life. Noah. Abraham, the father of faith, but he was also had lapses of faith when you read the Bible. The Bible doesn't hide that. It doesn't. It tells the truth. Lot. Speaks about Lot. Uh, he had a miraculous deliverance in his life. Then it talks about Lot having incest and drunkenness involved in his life as well. The Bible doesn't try to hide these things. Man, I'm, I'm glad that the Bible has already been written. Because it might have had some of us in here. Uh, did you hear about this? Oh, man, it'd be, the Bible would be selling like hotcakes. Uh, did you hear the one about... Ay, ay, ay. Then there's David. Like I said, a man after God's own heart and a few other body parts that weren't God's. Uh, the Bible doesn't pull a Richard Nixon Watergate cover-up when it comes to the things of people's lives many times. Here with David, many of us know the story. It was a time, the Bible says, when kings go forth or go out. Uh, see, what I believe here, what this meant was that it was a time in the season of war, summertime. That's what it's talking about. Springtime. Summertime and the living is easy. And listen, I mean, this should be a very, a very appropriate sermon to spring us into summer. Get us ready. Uh, because uh, some, come summertime. And even now, look at what we have to do today. After the service, my wife has to meet with the women, the younger that are going out. Because things can happen. We're getting you ready. We're getting you prepared. Uh, we care. We need to care. And when summertime comes, ooh, it's hot. Uh, flashing the flesh. That's what I had to call it. Flashing the flesh. I got to be careful. Uh, in other words, it was kickback time with David. The spring now. When it was over. It was kickback time. David was at the apex of his career. He'd earned a lot of privileges. Uh, he could go to a conference and relax. He could go, maybe even be one of the speakers at the conference. Uh, go to the mighty men of valor and kick back. Because now he was up there. King David, he's slain his, saw his thousands, King David his ten thousands. He was recognized. He'd earned his stripes. His kingdom was in a Camelot kind of a condition. Camelot kind of a state. Victory was his. He had already subdued, the Bible says, most of his enemies. That's what had happened in his life. And in 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 4 that we read, it says there that he, Joab, uh, was a worthy general. Let me read that. In the spring of the time when kings go forth, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. See, what, what happened here, this was discipleship. David had transferred what needed to be done, his responsibilities, to a very worthy individual that he had already trained. Joab was a mean motor scooter. And he said, here, Joab, you're, you're capable of doing it. You go out and, and take care of business. I'm going to kick back. So David finds himself with some time to waste. He finds himself with time on his hands, but he wants more than time on his hands. Uh, some leisure. Uh, idle time. King James Version of Ezekiel 1649 says, idleness is what got Sodom and Gomorrah. Idleness, having nothing to do. 
And we live in that kind of a situation, that kind of a uh, state as well now. There's a lot, you know, you have a lot of leisure time on your hands. Listen, those of you that are born again and you're new, that's the reason why times like this are very dangerous. Uh, and if you're a new believer or, or a new convert or you're new to the church, find something to do. Have more than just time on your hands. And I'm not talking about the bad stuff. Get involved. Get in there. Take the newcomer's class. Get it. Get in there. Don't beat around the bush. Uh, just, just involve yourself. It's so very vital. Uh, you, you have a responsibility. There's somebody watching your back, and you're not watching somebody else's. Let's go on. You're slow. So David, you know, maybe he wasn't able to sleep. Maybe he was a little restless. The Bible says here, and he he decides to go and fix his, you know, his his ego. And taking a view of his city. The Bible says Jerusalem was the city of who? David. The Bible says pride comes before a fall. So he gets up and he's restless and he goes out into his patio and he overlooks, overlooks everything. He lived at the top of the palace. He had the best house there in Jerusalem. The top house. The biggest mountain. He was able to see everything. Kickback jack time. And he's... Looking at his kingdom, maybe, saying, oh, who's the boss? Oh, I am. Who's the king? Me. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's about to have a fall? Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> ah. And David's house, like I said, being the king, it was built on the highest mountain besides the temple. Okay? And then the rest of his court who also had Jews, his top 30 men, his 37 men, his other people that belonged to his court, the king and his court, they had their houses right next to his as well. Those that had power, those that had a little pull or juice. Their houses were built near David's. Thus Uriah, though he was a Hittite and not a full-fledged Jew, but being one of David's top 30 men, Uriah had his house close to David's. Okay? And let me just make mention, when people fall... By and large, it's usually not somebody that they don't know. It's usually somebody close to the hood. Somebody they already know pretty good. You're from the hood and I know you're good. Huh? Let's wrap it up. Wrap it up and I'll take it. Yeah, right. Huh? That's what's happening here with David. And that's usually the case. I mean, human ministers. You, you know who they usually fall with? Their secretaries. Huh? That happens. People that are close to you on the job training. Ay, 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 ay. So David looks out and he says, What do we have here? Hmm, a failure to communicate. No wonder they call her, like I said, Bathsheba because she liked to take baths. I mean, it was late at night. It takes two to mambo. Huh? So David, instead of taking his eyes off the lady, Bible says he continues to stare. Jesus says, listen, if your eyes offend you, pluck them out. We're going to have an altar call here today. <laughs> uh, he's trying to drive home a point. All right, he's trying to, to tell you something. It's better to get to heaven with one eye uh, than to hell with two. But David continues to stare. See, some people might say, poor David. It was a setup. Well, my friend, it could be. But he didn't have to yield to temptation. 
Uh, matter of fact, I've mentioned this before. David wrote the book of, who wrote the book of Psalms. And the very first verse on the first chapter of the book of Psalms has to do with temptation. And I had the men preach here a few Wednesdays ago on that one verse. Blessed is he that walketh not, that standeth not, that sitteth not. Well, maybe we could have gone one step further, that lieth not. Huh? David, David was insinuating. A lot of big innuendos there. The very first verse, the first chapter, of, uh, he talks about temptation. And how you'll be blessed if you don't succumb or fall to temptation. Hmm? Now somewhere along the line, David had grown cold in his heart. And when temptation hits, this time it clicks. It, it falls into gear. This time, temptation falls right into place in David's heart. Uh, somebody has said that temptation is Satan's method of recruiting. And it's true. Rest assured, temptation is till death do you part. You're married to it. Did you hear me? You're married to the thing. It's till death do you part. doesn't matter how old you are. It can hit. Uh, and every now and again, the enemy comes recruiting to, to see if now you're ready to serve him and not God. I have a sermon that I preached many years ago called A Sin Ready to Happen. It's there. You're, all you're all doing is waiting for the opportunity. As soon as she smiles at me one more time, let's go on. See, the enemy did it to Adam and Eve. And finally he hit. He'd keep coming. And he finally hit with Adam and Eve. He did it to Lot. He did it to Demas. He did it to Alexander and Judas and David. And he's going to continue to do it to you and I. We need to understand that. To see if now we're ready for his lies. And sometimes he hits. He ain't stupid. He don't care how many scriptures you know. He don't care what position you have. He's going to keep on knocking and someday he might come in. He's going to stay at it. Do you, are, you, are you with me? Nobody is exempt. Uh, I was reading about a pastor who when he sees an attractive woman, he makes it a principle or a point never to look twice. Uh, and that, that's you know, a pretty good principle. I preached the other day. At a, in Vallejo and to some of the youth and I mentioned a scripture in Romans chapter 6 verse 11 and I want to bring that out here tonight you can turn to it but I already know it by heart Romans 6 11 it's so important I've taught you on this before but some of you don't know this principle and I need to bring it out here tonight Romans 6 11 it says reckon yourselves dead to sin repeat after me reckon yourselves dead to who? to sin and I like that translation because when I, when I preached on this before, I, I did a rather in-depth study on the word reckon. It has to do with the mind, reckon, reckoning, thinking. Matter of fact, the NIV, I think, says consider, right? Consider yourselves. Consider has to be with mentality, thinking. But in the Greek, it really means this. This is very deep and very profound, I think. I've brought it out before. Some of you might know it. Some of you, about half of you do, but half of you don't. And I pastor all of you, so you all have to know this. Okay? Reckon in the Greek means to Rehearse. How many of you have been in the play Shotgun? Uh, whenever we don't rehearse, we do a terrible job. And all Shotgun members said, yes. yes. 
When we rehearse, oh, man, we're ready for the anointing. That's all we're waiting for. Just the anointing. We pray. Come on, God, show up, show up, show up. We're, we're ready. And things just flow. And people get saved and touched. It's tremendous. But we don't rehearse. Man. You know the, the, the war with Saddam and Saint? Remember that? It took a lot. Of, rest assured right now. Everybody's talking about, all oh, the Americans, NATO doesn't want to go into Bosnia. They don't want to go into Serbs, Kosovo. That is a lie. I know the American army. They showed their colors at, at Desert Storm. When they did bombing, bombing, bombing for 40 days. But when it came time, when it came time to go up and take care of Saddam Hussein and get rid of all those people uh, in Kuwait, they gave up in a day and a half. Why? Because our army had rehearsed. The other day, did you see the news right here? They were in Oakland. They were in Monterey, then they came to Oakland. In the streets of Oakland, in the streets of San Francisco. So, and everybody got mad. How dare they do all this kind of stuff? How can the army be coming over here training to kill? They did it regardless of what the American public thought. Why? Because they care about the American public. And they know something the American public don't know. What I'm trying to tell you. And they needed to rehearse. Because they might have to go into cities like that soon and very soon. And our soldiers are at stake. It's a war out there. They knew the war was coming. I know our government. We, 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 have, we belong to a great country. Just let me tell you that. We belong to a great country. And they had to do what they had to do. Soldiers got to do what he's got to do. Christians got to do what he's got to do. A soldier's got to do what a soldier's got to do. A Christian soldier's got to do what a Christian soldier's got to do. And we're here tonight to rehearse. You got to rehearse. Because see... Schwarzkopf caught them off guard because they were ready. Boom, they moved fast. And in a day and a half, they had the people uh, from Kuwait and all that stuff, the Iranians, Iraqis, they had them right here because they had rehearsed. So they got the enemy. When you don't rehearse, guess who's got who right here? The enemy got you right here, right here. Because you didn't reckon yourself dead. You know, walking down the street. Praise the Lord, brother. Because <laughs> you didn't rehearse. You got you to think what you're going to do when the devil hits. If not, because he's going to hit. He's going to, he don't like you. He hates you. I'm here to prepare you. I'm your drill sergeant today. God's drill sergeant, not the devil's. The devil has his. He's got his demons. They're going to come knocking. But you got to think what you're going to do when the devil hits. Right away. And I've said this before about the ladies. What are the ladies supposed to say? As for me and my blouse, we're going to serve the Lord. You got to rehearse. I won't say about the guys, but I thought of one, but I won't say it. Uh, but you got to rehearse ahead of time. Reckon yourself dead. What are you going to do when the enemy hits? If you don't rehearse, you're a sitting duck. He's got you. And God wants you in heaven. I mean, I want you in heaven. How much more God wants you in heaven? But in David's case, 
Satan came, recruiting, and this time, David was ready for a fall. Temptation has been defined as this, as an urge to disobey God. That's what it's been defined as, an urge to disobey God. You ever had that urge? Amen. I'll say it for you and for me. An urge, a yearn to disobey God and, and, and take on the fruits, not of the spirit, but of other stuff, of the flesh. This time, David's urge was greater than his relationship with the Lord. The urge was greater than his commitment. But in getting back here to the story, uh, that age-old saying, it takes two to tango, happened here with the story as well. It can be applied. Bathsheba was no mother superior. She was no mother Teresa. Uh, she was no Santita Santita. Huh? Not at all. She was no Santa Paula. Not at all. I mean, do you remember when I said how their houses were situated? Remember that? They, they all had their, their certain spot that they lived in. Well, when you live next door to the White House, you're going to know where you live. Monica knew. She was an intern. Hi, Billy Billy. You like the hat? Uh, she was an intern. She knew. See, when you can go and... Uh, see, you can go to the bank with that one. She knew where she lived. Bathsheba knew where she lived. She was Uriah's wife. And Uriah had a real good pad, real close to David's house. She knew David had a thing about the roof. She did. She was no dummy. She'd been around the block a few times. All you got to do is read the story about her. The time she's mentioned in the Bible, she'd been around the block more than once. I mean, the Bible says David had, I mentioned earlier, seven recorded wives and a number of concubines. Ah, I mean, I think she knew a little bit more about David's life than most people. Ah, I mean, this guy, singing in the shower. Ah, she might have even had the boombox on that night. See, Hebrew women weren't supposed to bathe so immodestly like that. Not at all. I mean, Hebrews are very modest people. Plus, in 1 Kings chapter 1, the Bible says she schemed and conned to get Solomon into the throne. She was Solomon's mother. She, was a she did all this finagling in order to get her son to be king. She was a con. She knew what she was doing. So there we have it. Okay? The king in the prime of his life. The stage was set. So David begins to stare. Uh, the key is, the more David looked at Bathsheba, the more God began to disappear. The smaller God got, the bigger Bathsheba got. Ooh. Uh, pretty soon, no more God. Instead of what the Bible says, I must decrease that he may increase, it was vice versa. Uh, I was increasing. And God was decreasing. Uh, 
See, Bathsheba began to get bigger and God began to get smaller. Till finally, uh, in due time, it was all Bathsheba baby and no more hallelujahs. God had evaporated. God had vanished from the picture. David had turned God off. That's what had happened in his life. Uh, David had turned Christian magician. David would make David Copperfield and Houdini look like minor leaguers. Because Houdini and David Copperfield, they can't make God disappear, but David could. I mean, Houdini was quite a magician. David Copperfield could make all kinds of, you know, illusionary stuff. But David was better than both of them put together because he made God disappear. God is gone. Free game. God is not here. I can do whatever I want to now. Uh, see, when lust is in control, God becomes unreal. We forget about God and our commitment towards God. David only thought of the now, of himself. David wasn't worried about Bathsheba, nor about Uriah, her husband, about his kingdom, about the people, or about his family. All he cared about was the here and now. Ever been there? Amen. Uh, drug addict guys, they go to jail. and Oh, mom, I'm going to do real good when I get out and enroll me in college. Oh, yes. Honey, when I get, oh, yes, uh-huh, yes. The minute they get out, who was that madman? I got to have some drugs. Uh, that's all you think about is the here and now. That's all you know. The kingdom of Steve is at hand. That's it, right here. Uh, ever been there? When you, you, you don't consider about anything else. You're very inconsiderate other than for yourself. Me, myself, and I. All he could see, David, was a woman. And the Bible says beautiful in appearance, very. King James Version says beautiful in appearance, very. Uh, he couldn't see God. And that's how backsliding happens. You just get real selfish and you, you turn Christian magician and you make God disappear. Uh, God said what? I, I don't remember that scripture. See, temptation is very, very subtle. Oh, so subtle. And oh, so very cold. David's family very nearly was totally destroyed and lost. Uh, Bathsheba's baby, the Bible says, died. Amnon, one of his David's sons, raped his sister Tamar. Absalom, David's other son, killed Amnon. And Amnon then rebelled against David and so on and so on and so on. One little sin. That's how it all began. Just one look is all it took. Uh, that was a cornerstone in David's family, David's life. See, to be tempted is not a sin. It's not. Them to live with God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're going to go through those things. But to yield to temptation, that is a sin. And when we finally yield, the dam can burst. Yet so many Christians, they pick at it. There's a term in Spanish, picale, picale. Mess with it, mess with it, mess with it. I didn't get burned this time, I didn't get burned this time, I didn't get burned this time. And all of a sudden, bang, the dam burst. Bible says, envy not who? The sinner. Yet, my friend, we think that the sinner's having a real good time. Ah, uh, but we're wrong. I mean, you know, now we're Christians, and, and a lot of us start remembering, oh, I remember what it was way back in those days. Oh, this bud's for me. Oh, yeah, so it's a hot summertime day. Ooh, that beer sure looks good. Pastor Steve ain't around. Oh, look at this. Uh, 
the devil always paints a pretty picture, but he forgets to tell you what's going to happen, the results. All that madness. We've said it before, you know, those, those what do you call it, those, those billboards with the, with the black velvet. I don't know how the girls do it. I'm not a girl, you know. Summertime, they're going to come out. And you feel like, ah. Oh. But I've said it before. It doesn't show you that same girl at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Who was that masked man? <laughs> yeah, right. See, sin isn't all that it's cut out to be. It's not. Young people, listen to me. I know what I'm telling you. Many of us know what we're telling you right now. Because it's going to look, oh yeah, they're having a party. Oh, how nice. See, I remember when I, was, when, I was, when I was in kindergarten. And I would look at the second graders. And I'd say, man, look at them. They're having fun. Uh, then I got to be a second grader. It wasn't all that it was cut out to be. It wasn't. And then I looked at the sixth graders. Oh, they're kissing Ooh. Then I got to be a sixth grader. I never kissed nobody. I'm just kidding. Uh, I got to be a sixth It wasn't all that I was cut out to be. Uh, then I became in high school. Ooh, senior court. Hey, look at the senior court. Did you guys have senior court and all that? No, no. We had senior court. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior court. You know. Then I became a senior. And senior court is no big thing. But I thought it was. I thought, ooh, someday I'm going to be a senior. I want to go to senior court and I'm going to treat them like rumpkins. Uh, it wasn't all that it was cut out to be. And the same thing, my friend, happens here with, with, with sin. You think that it's something, but it's not. Uh, it can happen. You know, we have the same temptations, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, you know, there is no temptation taken, but such as is common unto man. And God is able to make a way of escape to every temptation. And we need to understand that. Ah. Uh, See, some people believe, they actually believe that they're above falling. They think that a, that a tie and a smile will do it, or a long dress or a Bible. We're going to be you know, dressing some of the ladies how to dress, but that's not necessarily, I mean, some of you ladies might come to the prom flashing no flesh on Thursday. Because we're going to tell you you can't do you know. But in your mind, you're flashing the flesh. On Saturday. Uh, you're, you're, you're still going to be rebelling. Uh, because that doesn't necessarily, you know, make you, you know, uh, uh, not vulnerable. But a lot of people, you know, under that skirt lies a monster of a flirt. Who wrote that? Ah. Uh, see, temptation is a continuous struggle. It's an ordeal, but it's an ordeal that you can go through. You can. I've said it before. There's probably no weaker person in this church than me. But I'm still standing 25 and a month later. 25 years. Ah, temptation is an ordeal, but you can make it. You can go through it. We need to understand that. It's an ordeal that can be passed to make you stronger. And that's the big key. See, yes, temptation has the potential to make you fall, but it also has the potential, you know, to make you to sin, but it also carries with it the potential to make you holy. Because you went through it. You passed through it. Uh, we can look at temptation both ways. 
Either to make us fall or to make us stronger. Because you, then they live God in Christ Jesus. You're going to get tempted. It's summer. Yes, it's summer. Do, 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 right. Yes, it's summer. Ah, what have I told you before? Have a Merry Christmas. Remember that? And what does Merry Christmas mean? Mighty. Because at Christmas time, you're going to get tempted. Well, I'm here to tell you, have a merry summer. A mighty summer. You can make it. Ah, put your foot down. Say, as for me and my blouse, we're going to serve the Lord. And the men say, as me. I'm not going to say that one. Ah. See, we need to look at temptation for what it really is. Temptation is a lie to make evil look good. Did you hear me? That's really what it is. It's a lie to make evil look good. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to close with this. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. Ooh, man. I was almost going to read verse 7, but no, I want to read verse 5. Look at this. Might not look like nothing, but it is. Do you have it? Then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city. Who was the holy city? Jerusalem, David. David's city. And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. You know what just came to me right now? This is not in my notes. But that's why I decided to read this right now. I was going to read verse 7. He was standing in the very same place. Who was standing? David. Bingo, bango. <laughs> uh, I wonder what he saw. I wonder what time of day it was. I don't know. But he was standing in the very same place. Very same temptation uh, that David has succumbed to. But the key that I want to bring out that is in my notes was that it was in church. He took him to church. He took him to the temple. He brought him here, if you will. And I've said it before. You mean you can be tempted in church? For the sake of the tape, say a big amen. You mean you can be tempted in church? Yeah, yeah you can. What have I said before? The devil is faithful. He makes every service. He's here waiting all the time. Uh, he's working overtime here. You think he's at a bar? No, he's got everybody already. He's here. He usually just sign some demons waiting for you. Ah, uh, to look at all the bad things. So look at all, not to make you hear sermon, the message and all that stuff. Messing with you because he wants you in hell.
It happened in church, in the temple, in God's house. See, tonight the enemy can be tempting you here and now. Here and now. How? Only you can write that one. That one's on you. You know how he can. Uh, see, some of you are experts at turning God off uh, during worship. You know how to turn God off in, in God's house. But there's always a ramp cut in the thicket. God has a way of escape. You need to understand that. I, I think I should close with this. And many of you know it, but some of you don't. Those of you that do, let me reiterate it. Pussycat, pussycat. How many have never heard it? Let me see your hand. Just if one of you have never heard it, I'll say it. Okay, good. Very good. Let me have three. I'm just kidding. How many have heard it? You have. Isn't it worth repeating? If I can have one amen, I'll say it. Amen. I'll say it. I requested it. By special request. Pussycat, pussycat. Where have you been? I've been to London and back again. I mean, this is a riddle that we all learn in nursery school. Pussycat, pussycat, what did you see? Does anybody know the rest of it? I saw a mouse by where? The queen's knee. That riddle is actually part of a sermon by an English preacher. And we, but we learn it in, in, in nursery school. It's a nursery rhyme. It's not a nursery rhyme. It was part of a powerful sermon. And what that means is that this, pastor, this preacher saying, the pussycat, the, the cat, went to, where have you been? To London. And back again. Well, when you went to London, what did you see? You know, pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London back again. Pussycat, pussycat, what have you been? I saw a mouse by the queen's In other words, the pussycat went to the king's palace. The pussycat went to where all the royal majesty is, where all the splendor is. And what do we come and sing in church? Majesty, worship his majesty. I mean, I love to see when people get into it. From his throne unto his own. And some people are like, what's wrong with this guy? But he's into real majesty or she's so exalted. I mean, that's beautiful, heart to heart. See, because that person is worshiping majesty, worshiping almighty God. They're at the king's house. Pussycat, pussycat, where you been? I've been to church, and I saw God high and lifted up, and all of his majesty, and his throne, and his robe. That's what we come to church for. But then there's other people who see a mouse by the queen's knee. They see what they want to see. Instead of seeing Almighty God, that's what we're here to church for. We're here for selfish reasons. That's what the pussycat did. It was in the natural, it was in the flesh. Ooh, I wonder if she could be. Did she raise her hand when Pastor said, Let me see the hands of all the singles? She raised her hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The only time you raise your hands and praise God. Oh, she's single. Instead of seeing Jesus, we saw a mouse in God's house. 
I want every head bowed and every eye closed. In a time of spring, when kings go forth to battle, to war, you're supposed to be here to rehearse for war. It's going to be wartime this summer, church, evangelistically, but also spiritually. You're going to have to learn to rehearse and get rid of it. What are you going to do when the devil strikes? What are you going to do? Don't look twice if it catches you by surprise. Stay focused the things of God. Those of you that are married, rejoice with the wife of your youth. focused I've said a lot here tonight I mentioned you can write what temptations you have the devil has a list and you're on his hit list because you're a Christian he's not in a bar he's not in some social event he comes to church that's where he took almighty God and tempted him he took Jesus the son of God to church and tempted him in church the very place that David was tempted he'll tempt you here we're here to worship God we're here to serve God we're here to honor God not to play games not to see look for mice we're here to find God and let him find us we're here to find God and let him find us some of you God wants to find you tonight God's been after you. He's been hounding you with his love by his spirit. That's why I prayed earlier that I would try to do my best but the spirit of God would move and minister. And I believe he's done it. I know who I work for. He's ministered. That's you that he's speaking to here tonight. And as every head is bowed and every eye closed, spirit of God, moving and ministering. You see, Brother Steve, this sermon was right up my freeway. It was for me. And I need to look at temptation as an ordeal that can be passed. That I can go through. Greater is he that is in me, Jesus, than he that is in the world. Than he that is in the flesh. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is no temptation but such as is common unto man. And with every temptation, God is able to make a way of escape. And God, I need to escape here tonight. If that's you here tonight... And God has ministered to your life. And you want me to pray for you. Maybe you need forgiveness. Maybe you need to be born again. Maybe you just need strength on the inner man. Whatever the situation or case is. If this sermon has been for you and you want me to pray for you. From all over this place I'm going to ask you very quickly to lift up your hand right now and then quickly put it down. I'm only going to ask just a few, one more time and then that's it. If God ministered to your life and you want me to pray for you. From all over this place quickly lift up your hand. Then quickly put it down that we're going to pray. As every head is bowed. And every eye closed. Everybody doing their own number for God. Spirit of God moving in ministry here tonight. Very important sermon for me. For all of us. So vital, so very important. And I pray that you would take advantage of this opportunity for us to pray for you. Anyone else? This is my last call. You haven't risen up your hand yet, but you want to do so now. This sermon really ministered to your heart and you want to end it and cap it off in prayer.
If that's you and you haven't risen up your hand yet, but you want to do so now, quick lift it up and quickly put it down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, young man. You can put your hand down. Beautiful. God bless you. Anyone else? This is my last call that we're going to pray. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's all stand, please. Everybody standing. I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hand now to take the second step. I'm going to ask you quickly to slip by your seat and make your way to this altar. Either bend the knee to Jesus or come and stand here, whatever you desire. But allow me the power, the privilege, the opportunity to pray for you, myself and others, to be able to, to pray for you here tonight. Anybody else? God minister to your life. Anyone else? God minister to your life. We're going to be including this prayer. I'm going to ask you quickly to slip out of your seat and make your way down to this altar. We talked about the altar last Sunday morning, the importance of it. Every life needs an altar. I'm going to ask you to make your way to this altar. Let me pray for you. Let me leave this altar the same. Let's sing it to church. Jesus, I need my life to be changed. Commit your life to Jesus. All that I am, I surrender to you. Don't let me leave this altar. Sing it one more time that we're going to pray. But if you need to come to the altar quickly, slip by their seat. This altar the same. Jesus, I need my life to be changed. All that I am, I surrender to you. Don't let me as they play softly I'm going to ask those of you here at the altar to repeat this short prayer to me it's going to be short because I need to pray for you but I want you to make it your own personal prayer from your heart to almighty God say Jesus say Jesus I thank you for the power of your word and it's challenge to my life your word is true, quick, powerful. It's able to discern the needs in my heart. You know my heart. As your word says, it is desperately wicked. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and the times that I've given in those urges those inclinations that I shouldn't I'm sorry forgive me I open up my heart to you I invite you to come in take control of my life take control of my heart by your spirit by your love and by your power I'm weak you're strong I'm frail but you're mighty allow me to live out that power over sin allow me to be able to say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world even in my flesh let temptation 
work for my benefit. It works for me. I'm the boss. And it has no rule over me. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're going to serve you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for this prayer to be a prayer of commitment. We need to make this commitment daily. We can't drop our guard. Yes, Jesus, according to your scriptures, we'll have times of salvation, vacations, or just saved. But by and large, according to your scriptures, this life is a battle, it's a fight. Lord, I pray that they would rehearse what's going to happen when the enemy comes in like a flood. They will allow you to raise up a standard against the enemy. They will allow, Lord God, to to bring in their forces, Lord God, and to keep you first in their lives. They would not want to hurt you by sinning. They would not, Lord God, want to nail you afresh to the cross. Let us rehearse. Let us be warriors of your word. When the temptation comes and hits, we will not succumb to those earthquakes. We will be foolproof, Lord God. We'll be retrofit as we confess our faults. Our weaknesses, our frailties. We are mere men. No one is exempt. Jesus, we need you. I need you. They need you. We all need you. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and thy power. Come in your own special way. We can be more than conquerors. Through him who loves us and strengthens us. Strengthen and love. Strengthen and love your people, Jesus. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive, forgive. Forgive, forgive. Those of you who need forgiveness, tell them to forgive you right now. You need forgiveness. Some of you need forgiveness here. Ask them to forgive you. Wipe your slate squeaky clean. Ask them to forgive. forgive us. Our trespasses, we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is a kingdom, thine is a power, the majesty. We would be here to worship you, not to look for mice, but to look for the King of Kings, not to look for trivial things at the house of God, but beautiful things, not base things, but high noble things. Your majesty, your splendor, your power. Don't let me leave this altar the same. Jesus, I need. Stay in God's presence as we sing it to church. Change all that I have, I surrender to you. Don't let me leave this altar the same. Sing it one more time. Don't let me leave. This altar the same Jesus I need My life to be changed All that I am I surrender to you Don't let me leave This altar the same I offer up I offer up my life as a sacrifice to you.
All that I want is to be more like you. Consume me, Lord, with your holy fire. This is my heart's desire. Don't let me leave this altar the same. Jesus, I need my life to be changed. All that I am, I surrender to you. Don't let me leave this altar the same 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 don't let me leave don't let me leave this altar the same don't let me leave. Don't let me leave this altar the same. Hallelujah. 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 Many of you, God has wiped the slate clean. A couple of Sundays ago, I preached before I went about holy, what it meant. It did not mean perfect. I don't know if you remember that. The Holy Father, who's the Pope of the Catholic Church. You can call him the Holy Father, I guess. The Catholics, do, you know. But holy doesn't mean that he's perfect. The Holy Bible doesn't mean that it's perfect. Especially this one. Look at this. Look at this. this Bible's not perfect. Look at this. But it's the Holy Bible in more of the ways than one. <laughs> uh, a lot of holes in this thing. Holy means separated, sanctified, set apart. That's what it means. That's why you can be holy, sanctified, set apart. But work on, on, on staying as clean as possible. Dirt in, dirt out. Uh, be a, what are the computers? Get rid of that thing. Uh, don't, 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 don't mess with it. Because if you let it become a bed, mess with you. Uh, pretty soon, where's brother so-and-so? Where's sister so-and-so? That was the right name, so-and-so. There's a word in Spanish that rhymes with so and so. It's called sonso. How would you translate that in English? Dummy. Right? Sonso. Brother, dummy. Uh, it's springtime, guys. Summer's over. Guys and dolls. Girls, too. Girls get tempted. Uh, remember, it takes two to mambo. Bathsheba knew where she lived, she knew who David was. Uh, hallelujah I pray that this sermon this spring this, this will be a springboard towards the summer for the victory outreach Hayward uh, that we would live sanctified not perfect nobody but sanctified holy separated uh, say no 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 no. I'm going to stay close to God I'm going to walk the straight and narrow the broad way anybody can walk that Broadway you can go anywhere on Broadway I'll be back. The Broadway. No, God's called us to walk the straight and narrow. But it's worth it. This is blessings way. It's worth it. Those of you that are single, 
someday you'll have the man of your dreams the woman of your dreams you'll walk down the straight and narrow aisle and I'll say who giveth this woman not this sonso or this sonsa but this woman this man that has been a good testimony in the house of God look world look what's happening right here ah they waited they did it right and now God's blessing is going to be all over them it's worth it oh it's worth it hallelujah let's hold hands across the house as brothers and sisters in the Lord remember when we come to church we come to worship his majesty if you want to look for mice don't do it in Victory Outreach Hayward there's plenty of mice out there plenty of rats out there you want a rat there's a rat trap out there too but don't look for mice here please not here this is God's house we're here to worship the Lord we want the majesty the splendor of God to be in this house let's pray Father I pray we would take to heart what you have told us here tonight how you have spoken to our hearts that we will want you and you alone for you alone deserve the glory you alone deserve the praise Lord I pray that you would guard us against the wiles of temptation the fiery darts of the enemy especially this summer Lord God that we would learn David who stood at the highest spot in the temple wasn't able to take it but Jesus you did you made it you who were made in the likeness and image of man but yet knew no sin we bless you for that we thank you for that Father you know we're mere humans we get stained and spoiled at times and soiled I pray that your cleansing power has worked wonders here tonight that we would enjoy the faith and the feeling of being right with you that we would decide to walk the straight and narrow be good testimonies and envy not the sinner be with us this week this spring and this summer allow us to be the testimonies you want us to be we ask it all in Jesus name and everybody together set and praise God turn around one more time greet one another the love of the Lord don't forget singles you have the opportunity here on Saturday all the people all the girls that are going to the